Empire. Super Sunday is behind us, and it's time to ball. And at the end of the day, we know where every player and ball is within two to four centimeters. Um, and there's AI that's being utilized within the cameras and stuff to, to be able to help truly automate this. That's Davion Ross, co-founder and president of Shot Tracker, where the game is level. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. This has been a rough year in sports, but collegiate sports have had a particularly difficult time navigating the pandemic. College basketball has seen a lot of last-minute alterations to schedules. And in the case of basketball season, the results where some of the Blue Bloods are having what feels like a lump-sum aberrational year. Davion Ross is getting through it and hoping that when vaccines are distributed and the arenas open up again, we'll see the game continue to modernize. Our guest this week is the co-founder and president of Shot Tracker, Davion Ross. It's a company that provides real-time basketball stats and insights for teams and broadcasters by using sensors placed on players, around arenas, in the ball, to track movement in real time. Hey, Davion, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's really a privilege to be on here. Boy, oh boy, this must have been some kind of year for your company. Um, how did Shot Tracker deal with a pandemic when there were no games to track for a while there? Well, I tell you what, it's been an emotional roller coaster. Um, you know, I remember, I mean, we had quite a, a large number of installed scheduled, um, between the March and, and, um, and, and August timeframe. Cause that's when we do most of our installs, right? Because, you know, everything, there's, there's no games. You can get into the facilities easier. Um, and I remember being in March, uh, the, this year, the, oh, sorry, last year, the Mountain West tournament was, you know, a week earlier than all the other tournaments. So we, I remember coming back from Vegas, from the Las Vegas tournament, and I was on my way to, 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 to New York for the Big East tournament. And, you know, everything got shut down. And, you know, look, that was really impactful for us. I mean, it was, it was really, really tough for us as a small company because, you know, you had, you know, 40 plus, install schedules um, with some real legit revenue opportunity and that was shut down and it wasn't that people didn't want to you know have the system installed it was like you know we didn't know what's going on and schools were shut down and you couldn't even get into schools I mean there's schools who still have some very strict restrictions because you know they're not allowing people on campus or um, they're not allowing anybody external because games are being canceled so um, 2020 was, was, was definitely, uh, um, a challenging year, um, especially in the sports world. I think many companies experienced it. Um, many people experienced it, but, um, we're just very grateful and thankful and feel blessed to be able to be here and, um, to, to, to be able to carry on our mission. So how about now, uh, where they're playing in most places, but there still is no crowd. I, I, can't imagine that hasn't affected bottom lines for athletic departments and schools and conferences. How are you guys navigating their playing, but we're in a very different environment right now? Yeah, look, it's, 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 there's, there's, you know, multiple facets of, of, of that question, right? So from our perspective, there's, there's one side of it where 
I mean, we have to be nimble. We have to be flexible. So, for instance, there was a game that was supposed to play tonight. We got a message yesterday saying it's being moved to Thursday because, you know, one of the teams had, um, you know, a few COVID positives. So, therefore, they don't have enough people. And, you know, they need to extend to Thursday night to allow them to figure that out and to travel and that type of stuff. So we, we just have to be flexible. Um, we're capturing games. Um, it's, it's, it's a challenging environment, I know, for our broadcast partners because, you know, if, if you're doing a game tonight and it's going to be on one of the big broadcast networks, they already sent people in yesterday to set up and make sure everything is good to go. And now the game is pushed Thursday. Um, so, it, you know, we just have to be really flexible. We're working hard. Um, facilities are starting to let us back in, but of course, with, with new requirements, um, you know, sometimes like we have to have a test, our, our installers have to have a test within 24 to 36 hours of them landing, you know, at the facility. So it takes 24 to 36 hours to get one of those tests. So you're trying to figure out, oh, wow, now this guy's positive. So he can't yeah. go. Who's the other resource? Well, you didn't get a test for the other resource. It's definitely a lot of turmoil, a lot of challenging. But but with that, adversity brings opportunity. Um, we're, we're actually testing some stuff right now at KU this week um, for that game where we're testing how do we put cameras up and use our data to control the cameras without any humans controlling the cameras. So I think that there's, as I said, there's two sides to it. There's all the challenges, all the things that you're going through. And then there's the other side where there's some adversity. And, you know, if, if you, you could try to be innovative and creative, and figure out ways that, that your technology and your solutions can help benefit and, and, and flourish in, in that in that adversity. You know, since you brought it up, I, where are you guys on that automation side of trying to limit staff and re- replace is the wrong word here, but you know what I mean, to, to change. Yeah, yeah. So where are you on that process? I, I have felt, I'll say this out loud, as somebody who's a broadcaster and obviously selfishly loves people working in the business, I have felt the human element still is necessary to produce a basketball game, but I don't think it's impossible, you know, to do what you're talking about. So where in the process are you with all of that? Yeah, so so one thing I think is important to note is that we, we also do believe that the human element is important. Um, but what we want to do is be able to use the human element and, and complement the human element, right, and maybe minimize the amount of humans that we need involved. Um, especially if there are, are gigs that we think can be automated um, based on the use of our data. So, I mean, we, we have been testing this in, in, in several games, you know, starting the beginning of this year um, with a few different partners, and we have some even more tests going on this week, and, and it's, it's looking really good. It's, it's very um, positive. I think the whole purpose of, like, a Remy implementation, which is a remote operation implementation, is to, to really just streamline the process, make it more efficient. Um, if you can actually use our data to control cameras and to zoom, and at the end of the day, it should be transparent to the end users. Like they shouldn't know whether it was a human actually controlling that camera or it was actually data controlling that camera. Yeah. Um, you know, we do see the. Op- I mean, like you're never going to replace producers. At the end of the day, we're just trying to make everybody more efficient. And 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 with Remy be able to um, do it from wherever they are. So you could be actually doing a game at KU, and you're sitting in Alaska. Um, and with the the speed of the data, with the connectivity that we're seeing for 5G and some of those other solutions, you know, the the the, the ability to transfer the video, um, some of those things are starting to be a real opportunity. And um, 
you know, put, come come to fruition. So we're we're in the midst of it right now. We, you know, that we we have the, the we're just one piece of the puzzle in that we provide the data to, to to be able to know exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, we know where every player and ball is within two to four centimeters. Um, and there's AI that's being utilized within the cameras and stuff to, to be able to help truly automate this. Yeah, I mean, the enhancement of all the statistical um, enhancements for the broadcast, obviously, are there, obviously, for the coaches and the teams as well. I guess what we're talking about here is, can you actually teach AI emotion and momentum and know when to show a story? And I guess that's the part that I don't know we'll ever get to that needs to have the human touch, right? If you're telling the story of a basketball game. Yeah, I mean, look, storytelling is, is one of the probably the most powerful things, you know, of our solution, right? Being able to provide, I mean, historically, we've seen people do this storytelling, but it's after the fact. And, yeah. you know, and, and maybe they set out to, to identify some story components um, before the game and they try to stick with that through the game. Well, that's not how sports works, right? That's how upset, uh, upsets occur. Right. And, you know, people shoot lights out on these days. And, you know, people don't shoot as well. So, I mean, I think what we're able to do is give that data in real time so that you can enhance the story, you know, based on the context of what's actually going on in real life. And it's fast enough to allow you to adapt and, and be able to have the data that's necessary to, to tell the right story, not just a story, but the right story and, and the elements that are actually, you know, are resulting in these different changes in the game. So that's, that's kind of a big piece of our puzzle, right? And we're, we're just continuing to figure out ways that we could provide this to broadcasters and partners and media um, to help them tell better, more accurate story, yeah. more relevant story, more contextual stories in an in a, in a extremely fast manner. I don't know whether you actually analyze the data that comes in at all, but I, I am curious just a from your perspective of – I remember seeing shooting percentages in the NBA bubble and they were up across the board on, on just about everybody. And I know you're specializing in NCAA games and they're all playing in these environments, mainly without fancy sterile environments. Have you seen a shift in the data without crowds being around? That's a fair question. I have not looked at it from that perspective um, to see the impact of the crowd. I mean, I think that there's some teams that are up, some teams that are down. I think that, you know, um, crowd is, is definitely um, drives energy for some players. Um, so I, I would say that there isn't anything that I've seen that, that, that's directly correlated. I think everybody is impacted differently. There's a group of people. I mean, it's one of the reasons why people like to practice in the arena, right? Because shooting in the arena in that big arena is very different from shooting in just your practice. And to your point, when you add the crowd in there, um, the crowd kind of fills it up. When it's empty, it's, it's a whole different dynamic. Um, but I haven't really studied the, the true impact because we've seen teams, you know, all across the board. Okay, so let's talk about Shot Tracker and, and where you were and where you are. You just um, received another round of funding. Uh, part of it was through Verizon, which I assume is a direct link to your broadcast partners as you move forward. Um, tell me where you were uh, at the start of it and where you think Shot Tracker is going. Yeah, so you know, um, 2020 was actually shaping up to be a really, really good year for us. Um, before before COVID, I mean, in January, the end of January, we had just signed a pretty significant deal with Lairfield. Um, for those that don't know, Lairfield is the multimedia rights holder for, you know, 
probably 85, 90% of, of, of Division One college sports. Um, they, they control the rights on campus, um, you know, social channels, official athletic websites. So we had just signed a deal with them and, you know, we had just got off like their February kicked off together where we were, you know, had planned on proliferating this across some of the, 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 the biggest conferences and boom, you know, it's right smack in the face, COVID hit. Um, so what we're trying to do, this funding allows us to pick up where we left off, um, maybe even accelerate some of the things that we're doing by bringing on um, some additional resources, some additional partners. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're excited about the funding. We're excited about the partners. Um, when people ask me, I tell them I'm, I'm more excited about the, 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 the funder versus the funding, although the funding is mandatory. Um, but having partners like Verizon and Evert, um, you know, Verizon brings a whole different level of connectivity, as you said, for the broadcast partners. And they're doing stuff at the NFL and NBA level, which is really exciting. And we're getting to play as, as part of that experience. We just did an install at the Phoenix Suns with them, where we're doing some really innovative things there that is exciting. Um, and then when you think about our partner, Evert, um, many people don't know Evert, but um, they've been powering the broadcast market for you know, I mean, they've been around since 1966. They're based out of Canada, and um, they're, they they actually powered the replay center um, for the NBA out of Secaucus, New Jersey. Um, and they're they're in pretty much every you know NBA, NFL, NHL um, facility powering their replay systems with their Dreamcatcher products. Um, so from our perspective, we're really excited about the funders and the funding. And uh, we think they're really strategic for us, and and it's going to help us to accelerate our proliferation across um, the power conferences. Um, you know, let's just say the top seven conferences is our goal, and our hope is to 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 to, um, to, to, to make that happen and bring that to fruition this year. How about the tech? Uh, can you talk a little bit about how that has changed over the last few years and how it is a, how it has advanced? Yeah, so from our perspective, um, you know, when we first started, we, we were actually targeting, I mean, we were, were like a one-to-one, so like one player, one ball, one hoop type of uh, solution, right, really targeted at the backyard. And there's only as we went into the market and talked to coaches, we saw the opportunity to, um, it was a different problem we had to solve, so we had to, we had to go back to the drawing board. Um, so, yeah, a big deal for us was, um, you know, now being able to track in a practice environment, you know, you know, 20 players, 18 balls on six different hoops and being able to do that seamlessly and then being able to go into game and track not only the box score, but also the, you know, advanced analytics, right? Whether that was a ball reversal, paint touch that led to higher points per possession or whether it's a pick and roll or a pick and pop and what what is a successful optimal lineups. So just going beyond the box score type of data that, that makes this um, successful. Um, so from our perspective, we continue to, to do even more event classification and, and identifying events in real time. Everything that we do is going to be in real time. Um, traditionally, we could see our data, um, you know, go to the cloud and back down in like 200 milliseconds, which to give people perspective, I mean, it takes you about three to 400 milliseconds to blink. So that, that just tells you how fast it is. With, with some of the things that we're seeing on 5G and Mech, I mean, we're getting down to one-tenth of those speeds. Like, 10 to 20 milliseconds, which is just really exciting for what could be done in stadium um, and on the broadcast and, you know, just in general. So, yeah, so those are some of the technology things that we're working on. Um, we're also exploring what, what this solution looks like in, 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 in other sports. 
Um, many don't know this, but our, our company name is actually DD Sports, the data-driven sports. And, you know, Shot Tracker is the basketball vertical. So we have aspirations, you know, over the next year, 12 months to, to migrating to some other sports, probably starting with football. Oh, that is that is a coordinated effort there. Like when you're talking about what, 10 guys on the court versus 22, that's something, yeah. that is something. Yeah. I mean, look, we've seen, we've seen, um, we've seen them do it at the NFL level. Yeah. Um, we, you know, there's, there's things that we can do differently there. Um, but we think that it's a really, really exciting opportunity for us. Um, you know, when in, in basketball in a smaller space, we're able to track, you know, 20, 20 guys shooting, you know, if 20 guys shot at the same time, we'd be able to tell you who made it and who missed it. Yeah. And then they could grab each other's rebounds and shoot it again. And we can tell you dynamically, you know, who's got the different ball. So, I mean, it's, it's really up our wheelhouse and we feel really excited about that. Opportunity. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you can put con- context into plays that are successful or non-successful that are outside of the person who threw the ball to the guy who caught the ball, that is going to be something for broadcasters that'll be really really revolutionary honestly yeah we're doing we're doing some of that today so i mean it's, it's something that's that's already happening um you know it's a process right you gotta you gotta get it done and implemented and get it tested and get it integrated and make the feeds available to the broadcast and the other thing that we're you know we're we're, we're having to do is we're also having to work with the broadcasters right because this is new data um, that they have to consume, they have to get new tools. I mean, most of the times they're familiar with like two-dimensional data. When you start adding 3D data into the mix, I mean, it adds a, a different level of of, um, of complexity. So, I mean, look, it's it's a changing of the guard. I think it's it's a great opportunity for all of us, and we're we're really excited about the opportunity to make it happen. You know, as someone who's who's worked my entire life in broadcasting and done a bazillion live events, um, the hardest part is, and I think you know this is translating this information in real time and making decisions about what's relevant and what isn't. So as you work with broadcasters, how do you go through the process of here's the best way to utilize the information we're about to give you? It's a fair question. Um, One of the things that we had to do was um, we really had to work on teeing up the data. First deal with the technical challenge of, okay, I haven't been able to consume XYZ data historically and what do I do with that, right? Um, so there's some education going on there. Um, one of the things that we try to do is we, we try to showcase it versus tell it. And what I mean by that, you know, we've been partnered with the NCAA and the Hall of Fame Classic and the NABC um, for going on three years now. And pretty much what we do is we utilize that, that, that location as a, as a showcase. So in, that, in those types of situations, we work with the team to – to, to, to actually deploy. We have our people integrated into the mix. And, and literally what we're trying to do is really um, showcase what can be done. Um, you know, if you get bored, you can go to shottracker.com slash broadcast where we start laying out all the ways it could be integrated, oh. all the ways it could be used from a contextual perspective. So, I mean, there's just some education that goes there. And, you know, it's a matter of finding the individuals that are, um, that want to push the envelope, want to give a better experience. I mean, that's not everybody, right? So, um, and, and the hope is that you get enough repetition there that it becomes a norm. And it's something that people have grown accustomed to see and, and people demand it. Um, and then advertisers want to be around it. So, you know, it's, it's definitely been a work in progress, but, you know, it's exciting to somewhat, you know, bring it all to fruition. 
Um, are you working at all with either fantasy gaming or, or gambling corporations at this point to try to integrate the information into whatever form it may be, most likely broadcasts, but, but whatever form it may be? Yeah, so um, we are not at the moment. Right now we're, we're really focused on um, the media and the broadcast just because of, um, you know, college sports. And, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that needs to occur in college sports as it relates to um, how that impacts the players and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, with us having, like, official relationships with conferences and teams and players, um, that's, that's, that's something that we um, – you know, we're, we're going to work closely with them to see how they handle that and then we'll be able to make decisions. So for right now, um, our focus is really just enhancing the experience of fans, official athletic, athletic websites, social um, broadcasts, media properties um, to really provide content versus, you know, any type of analysis on our data for sports betting. It's really cool. Davion Ross is the president and co-founder of Shot Tracker. Thanks so much for coming on, Davion. The pleasure was mine, man. I enjoyed it. Big fan, and I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to share our story. On the next Future Sport Podcast, want to race? When I started to talk to, to, initially, like I said, I thought this was just racing. I started to talk to drivers and understand, well, why aren't you, you know, learning from someone like me or, or my peers? And it really came down to, well, you can't afford it. And, like, I don't even know how to get in contact with that's Dion Von Moltke, founder of Blaze, which is building a platform to make race car driving more accessible. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by Three Advanced, developers of sports tech apps that are AI powered and UX focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.